Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here with us. Uh, we are in the Skeletons in God's Closet uh, sermon series. This is week three that we're on this week, and uh, we're going to discuss uh, a part of God that some people maybe don't think about a lot. So I think there's a question that people has about this that they, they wonder, but I think uh, today we might get some answers to how God thinks and why he thinks the way he thinks. So we're going to read our text from Matthew chapter 25. The Skeletons in God's Closet is a series that's based around the ideal and the concept that uh, God is hiding something that some people in the world would feel that uh, maybe God has a, a motive behind what he's doing and it's, it's not a clear motive and he wouldn't be fair. But I believe God is fair, don't you? We, we serve a fair God, a God that loves us, cherishes us, and will be fair. So this is uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through uh, 46. Let's stand as we read these verses. Pray for my sinuses. My sinuses are a mess this week. Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me, was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you invited me into your home I was naked and you gave me clothing I was sick and you cared for me I was in prison and you visited me then these righteous ones will reply Lord when do we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing when do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you and the king will say, I tell you the truth. Everybody say, God is truth. I tell you the truth. When you did not did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were done it to me. Then the king will turn and say to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't give me, you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me in your home. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't come visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this scripture in Matthew 25 that Jesus spoke right before that awful dreaded day had come upon his life where that he was going to lay down his life for his brothers. God, we know that your word says that no greater love has any man than this that he would lay his life down for his brothers. And Jesus laid down his life so that we could become righteous in your sight. God, we know today that there's nothing we can do to ever stand before you 
and Lord, that we could say that we have done enough to be accepted in your kingdom. But Lord, we know that as we accept your righteousness, as we accept the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from our sin, then our actions will go on to do the things that you've said in these verses. Lord, help Bethesda to always give drink to those that are thirsty. Lord, help us to always give food to those that are hungry. Lord, help us to clothe those that call and say they need clothing. And Lord, help us to always lend our home as a safe haven for those that has no dwelling place. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say amen. You can be seated. These verses are very clear that where that Jesus is telling those that he's speaking to about the things that's going on. He's trying to teach them about the day of judgment because they have asked some questions about God's judgment, about God's character. Most of the time, the, pe the questions that Jesus was asked were questions about his father, about what it was like in heaven. They would ask him about situations, and, and here Jesus has given them a very clear description of what God thinks when it comes to judgment. His judgment is true. His judgment is real. And his judgment is fair. Amen? So as we say God's judgment is fair, how can we come to that conclusion? How can we say that uh, definitively that we can say that God is fair? Some people question this and they think that it's a skeleton in God's closet because bad things happen to good people. Amen? How many's ever had someone tell you that why does God allow a child predator to do awful things to little kids. They blame God for that, don't they? They always say that's God's fault. They're judging God because sin is happening. Could God stop sin right now? Absolutely. You want to know how he's going to stop sin? Is when he returns to earth. When he returns and claims this world as his own, sin will no longer have dominion. Sin will no longer be present. The reason child predators prey on little kids is because sin is present in this world. God didn't invent sin. He didn't make sin. We studied last week and proved that man was the one that wanted sin. We desired sin. And we can read all the way through the Bible and see and know that, that it always puts it back to where that man desires the things of the world more than the things of God. Jesus told this to his disciples over and over and over again that, that sin, and there's a place in Romans that says, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. It's our decision to make. Am I going to let sin run rampant in my life, or am I going to dispel it and say, I want nothing to do with sin. I want a righteous life. So God does give us that freedom to decide. I'm glad of that, aren't you? Because he gave me the freedom. And uh, it's kind of like this. It's like if you would uh, study uh, forms of government. I'm Ben. That's what he said. I'm Ben. That's Ben. He sees me on Face World. So, so in forms of government, we, especially as Americans, we love and enjoy our democracy, don't we? We really thrive in our democracy because it always gives us the power to decide what form of government we're going to have. How many enjoys that? 
I'm glad that I can uh, go to a voting booth and, and step inside and pull little levers behind a curtain and nobody's watching me to see who I'm voting for or what I'm voting for. I've got freedom to do that. I enjoy freedom, don't you? So democracy is a picture of government that puts power back in the people's hands. But if you go over in other ways of government around the world, you might find kingdoms. And in a kingdom, there is no democracy. The people have no power. The power is placed in the king. And if you're born as a prince, because God saw fit to allow you to be born as a prince, then you will have the power someday to enact laws and decrees and, and rule over people's lives. Ain't you glad we live in America and we don't live under tyranny of a king? If you go back and study our founding fathers' documents, they, they, when they wrote the Declaration of Independence from the King of England, they were writing him a letter saying, I don't think it's fair that we're living over here on our own ground, tooling with our own hands, doing what we want to do to live out our lives, and you're going to come and get our stuff. That's what they said. We're declaring independence from you. We no longer want to be a part of England. We want to make our own rules, our own ways. We want to do what we want to do. It's the same way with God. God gives us a set of rules and guidelines. He is king. Somebody say amen. God is king of this world. The Bible says that he is king of kings. That he is lord of lords. That he's, he's the ruler, he's the maker of creation, and he is the one that designed us. He is our king. He gives us these rules. But in that, he said, I don't just want to be a king that don't give people any say. So uh, whenever man went up and partake that fruit and decided, I don't want God, I don't want you to be king, I want to be my own king. So mankind declared to God, I don't want to serve under your kingdom, I want to make my own. It's the same thing as the American people declaring independence from England, saying, I don't want the king no longer to tell me what to do. It's the same way that human beings, when Adam and Eve sinned, they told God, we're declaring our independence from you. It was a declaration of independence, of saying, I want to make my own rules. I want to ask you, how well have you done at making your own rules? How well is your life going when you're the one in control? When you're the one trying to master and, and manipulate and, and do all the things and make sure that everything goes right in your life and you're really trying to lay out a plan and do what you want to do and make up your own rules and your own policy and your own agreements and, and just make everything best for you and so self, selfish in all of our ways and our motives that we try to get everything we can get for us. How well does that work for us? I don't know about you, but in my life, when I tried to control my own destiny, when I tried to make everything the way I wanted it to be made, the more I would try to get in control and the more things I would do to try to manipulate the ways I wanted them to be, the more it would mess up. Is anybody else guilty of that? The more I was in control of my life, the more I wanted, I want this, I want that, the less it turned out the way I wanted it. But when I gave my life to Jesus, when I gave my life to Christ, when I become a Christian and I turned over and I said, God, I no longer want my declaration of independence. I'll gladly give that back to you because you know better than I. 
Amen? I'm giving you my independence back. I want the form of government, God, where that you control my life because I trust you. Amen? And the whole thing about joining a church or joining a, a, the Christian way of life or, or joining back into God's covenant with man is this. The key factor is trust. It's like a wedding. It's like a marriage. Nobody wants to be married to somebody that they cannot trust. Amen? If you can't trust them, you won't marry them. We need trust to be in a relationship. And if we're going to trust God with our life, if we're going to give him dominion in our life and control of our life, it comes down to trust. I love Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord. Anybody know the rest? With all your heart. Lean not to your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It comes down to trust. So as we read this and think about Jesus speaking to these people and tell them that there's going to be a judgment day, that there's going to be a day where the heavenly Father will sit on his throne and all the world will come and they'll stand before him and he'll divide them and he'll say, you're on the left and you're on the right. This is where people have a problem with God because they think they don't know if they can trust him. They're like, What's the skeleton in God's closet? What, how do I know if I'm going to be a goat or am I going to be a sheep? How do I know? Is there any, any way for me to understand this and realize this? How can I, I don't know. It's a skeleton in God's closet that people worry about. Has anybody ever been worried about your salvation? Have you ever thought about it much and say, I want to make sure that I make heaven my home? I want to make sure that I obtain that. Because I don't want to go th all through this life thinking away that maybe might be wrong about this or wrong about that and then get to the end and God say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Does that scare anybody? It scares me. Because it's going to happen. I think it goes back to the same way of any other relationship we've ever been in in our life. What's the history of it? I think you have to study history to know how somebody's going to act. Amen? Have you ever studied somebody's history? Have you ever studied somebody that you're going to be in a relationship with them? Maybe you're going to marry them, and you're looking at them and trying to decide, should I marry them, should I not? Look at their history. What have they done in times past? So if I'm going to be in a relationship with my heavenly father, God, the Christian God that I'm serving today, how do I know that I can trust him? I'm going to go back and study the history of him. Amen? So if I go back and study history, I want to know where was the first time that I can find anywhere in any document that God, what's his judgment like? How do I know I can trust him the day I stand before him, whether he's going to tell me I'm a goat or a sheep, how do I know that I'm going to be able to trust his judgment? How will I know that his judgment is fair? I'm going to go back to the very first judgment that I'll find. The beginning. That's where I want to start. Don't you? So if you go back and search that, what would you think that would be in the Bible? Some of the Bible scholars in here. Where's the very first place that you believe that God judged? 
Genesis chapter 1. Where God made the heavens and the earth, he formed them, he, he separated the waters from the, from the dirt, he, he, he's done all these things, and then he made man in his image, and he looked at him and he said, he is good. I've made something good. Look at your neighbor and say, God didn't make junk. You're not junk. His judgment was that you are good. But then Adam and Eve sinned. They ate the, whatever the fruit was. Maybe it was an apple. Maybe it was an orange. Maybe it was a pear. I don't know. I'm not a big fruit eater. But they ate of something, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They found that sin come present in their life. And then the next thing happens, and it, it talks about in Genesis that, that the, when that seed of sin was planted, it begins to grow. How many knows that? That if, if you plant any seed, say we take one little kernel of corn, and plant it in the ground, and cover it with dirt, and water it with water, what's going to happen? It's going to grow. It's going to sprout, and it's going to grow up. And when it grows up and becomes uh, mature throughout the season, guess what it's going to do? It's going to reproduce. It's the way the earth is set up to reproduce. Because God told Adam and Eve, go and replenish the earth. Go and, and have children, bear children, so that the earth can have more people. In the same way he told them to replenish, this seed that got started with sin began to replenish itself too. And whenever that seed was planted, the seed of sin, it became in the hearts of the children that was born underneath of Adam and Eve. Who's their first two boys? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. We know that story, that Cain and Abel was there. It's in Genesis chapter three or four, somewhere there about, chapter four, I believe, that Cain and Abel's there, present, and, and God begins to talk to them and speak to them. He still has compassion on them, even though they have sin in their life. Doesn't he? When you read your Bible, you'll see God is talking to them. Can you hear God's voice today? Absolutely. Did he ever stop speaking? He never has. There's been seasons where we can't hear him, but that doesn't mean he's not talking. Amen? His voice will always go forth because his voice is life. If his voice ever stopped, there would be no life. We could not exist. He is life. So as this is happening, and he comes down and asks Cain, Cain, you know, and, and, and God requires offerings, doesn't he? He requires offerings. So he asks he asked Cain and Abel, he's like, I, I need you to give me an offering back of, of what the earth has produced for you. And they give. Both of them give. Cain and Abel gives. Abel, he raises animals. Cain raises out in the field. And they both give. But it says that God wasn't pleased with Cain's sacrifice, with his offering. So it isn't about giving or not giving. It's with the intent of your heart. Everybody talks about tithing. If you go back to Malachi and look, it wasn't about people in Malachi not tithing. They were tithing, but they were doing it with the wrong heart set. You can tithe all you want. That doesn't mean you're going to get to heaven. God doesn't need your money. Amen? It's about the issue of the heart and the trust. So Cain and Abel both gives, and then God comes down and he tells Abel, good job. He tells Cain, bad job. Have you ever been reprimanded by somebody? How many's ever been wrote up at work? Anybody ever got a write up at work where that your boss 
brought you in a room and said, I'm, I'm going to have to have a little talk with you. Does anybody enjoy that? Is anybody like, yes, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get to the office. What about in middle school? When you was in there and coming in and you was goofing off, maybe you and your friends and messing around and doing stuff you shouldn't have been doing. Next thing you know, you heard the intercom. Ben Collier, please come to the office. Ben Collier. I Everybody at school probably got so sick of hearing that because <laughs> it was on the microphone quite often. I think I got paddled every year of my school up to ninth grade. Every year, at least one paddling per year. That's the kind of kid I was. You know why I didn't get into the 10th, 11th, and 12th? Because they made it illegal. <laughs> I remember Bob Smith coming in our ninth grade year. It was the very end of the year. I didn't turn in a homework assignment. And he came and he said, ha, 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 this is my last ones I can get. It's me and two other people. One of them was a girl. I never got paddled with a girl. That was kind of different, but they took all of us down to the office, and they had to have a witness then, and took us in, and he gave us a good paddling. He said, I'm going to take advantage of this. This is my last time I'm going to be able to paddle. He really lit us up, too. Ninth grade, getting paddled. I should have learned my lesson, shouldn't I? Probably the first week in school when I went to grade school and Fred Smith took me out behind, uh, outside the office and paddled me in the hallway, I should have learned my lesson there. My very first week of school in my life, I got paddled. What kind of kid are you to get paddled in your first week? Just the way I am, Debo. I don't know. So I got all these reprimands and all these things where the people's trying to straighten me out, but I wouldn't listen very well. How many can say that's a lot like me? Everybody in here, I'm sure you've got a talking to either by your parents, maybe by your grandparents, maybe it's by the principal, maybe it's by your boss. Somebody in your life reprimanded you for bad actions. I can assure you, we can all sit around here with our little fake church faces on and be like, nope, I'm just perfect and nobody's ever done anything to me because I've just been perfect all my life. You're right. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. So God reprimands Cain. You, your offering is not what I'm asking for, Cain. I don't want you just to give to me because I'm telling you you have to. I want you to give to me because I've been good enough to allow your crop to grow. I want you to love me, Cain. Cain don't like rep reprimands very well. So he goes out and he, he looks at his brother Abel out in the field and they get out there in the field after God tells him this and they're walking around and Cain looks at Abel and, and the more he looks at him, he's like, who's that little goody two-shoes over there think he is? Giving God these good, good offerings. And why did, why did God like him and not like me? Why, why does God care about him more than he does me? Why did he, he let his sacrifice go through? Why was his offering better than mine? And he begins to get envious. And he begins to anger and rage begins to come up on the inside of him. You know what this anger and rage and all this is? Sin. The seed of sin between Adam and Eve is now in their children. And as this seed begins to grow, now it's reproducing at a rate that becomes worse than we've ever saw yet in the Bible. The Bible says that Cain took his brother Abel and he killed him. He slew him. He, he killed his very own brother. And I'm sure Dusty and Brandon standing out there behind the window have had a few moments where they probably felt like they wanted to kill each other. You ever have a sibling just absolutely got on your nerves? She's laughing on the back, too. Siblings can get on your nerves pretty fast. My little sister, one time, I remember she was aggravating me. I was like, oh, 
was going to I was going to kill her. I felt like, and I was like, God, I can't stand this no more. And she took off running. And she hid behind a big rock pile, Ernie. And I picked up a rock and I thought, if I can land this right at the right arch, if I can get this to go over, just at the right, it's got to be just right there. I'll hit her. She can hide behind there if she wants, but I'm going to lob this rock over and it's going to get her. So I stand there and I was like, I was, I don't know, like probably 12, 13 years old or something. And I take this rock and I was like, stood up in there and it come down and it went, boink. No. Absolute perfection. I've got the arm. And when I threw that rock, it bounced off the top of her head. And she stood up. Do you know what immediately went through my heart? I wasn't like, yes, I hit her. Woo, this is awesome. I was like, oh, my gosh, mom and dad is going to kill me now. So then I go down to the sister. I just hated that I lobbed a rock and hit her in the head. I'm down there patting on her. Oh, it'll be okay. Yeah, it's just a little knot. Yeah, it's kind of bruised, a little bit of blood coming out. It's not too bad. Just just chill out a little bit. Don't go tell mom and dad. I, it's all good. It's good. It's a seed of sin, of rebellion, of it's growing. So when Cain kills Abel, and then God comes back down the next day and tells Abel, it, it tells Cain, said, uh, anybody seen Abel? Anybody seen Abel? Cain looks up at God and says, Am I my brother's keeper? Why do I have to take care of my siblings? Why do I I have to take care of anybody else? It's about me, God. I want to grow my own garden and do my own thing, and I want my independence, God. I'm tired of you asking me all these questions. I'm tired of you putting all these rules on me and binding me. I want freedom, God. Is this not true? It's absolute truth. And God comes down and he tells him, he says, okay, you are your brother's keeper. And the only reason that I know something's going on because I hear his blood crying out from the ground. I hear his blood Calling out from the ground. I didn't know blood could talk. Did you, Mikey? Whenever you go up there and stick people in the arm and give them an IV, or Mikey's a nurse. He sees blood all the time. Have you ever heard it? I've never heard it. I've worked in a hospital. I've, I've seen blood spill on the floor. I went into the ER that looked like a, a bloodbath had happened. I didn't hear anything. You know why? Because we're human. God's not human. The Bible says that God's not a man that he should lie. He is truth. He is the best thing that's ever happened to us. So as he asked Cain this, Cain says, no, God, I don't want no part of that. He gets marked. And he sends him off. And Cain goes and does his own thing. And still to this day, I believe that those very words, letters that spell out Cain, I remember my grandpa, when I was a little boy, being a hoodlum, being an absolute idiot, he'd say, why are you raising Cain? You ever heard that? Has anybody ever raised any Cain? You know what they're saying? Seed of rebellion, a seed of sin, being mean. That's what Cain is. 
It wasn't Cain's stocks. I'm not talking about sorghum and molasses. I'm talking about raising Cain, sin in your life. God's judgment, is it fair? Is God's judgment fair? In human forms, we would all say, why don't he just leave Cain alone? We like democracy. I don't want no kingdom. I just want democracy. I want to do what I want to do. But God's judgment is righteous. It is always right. And God is fair because he did give Cain warning. And he told him, you didn't give the right offering, but go do better. You see, God don't put requirements on us that we can't obtain. Amen? He won't put more on you than you can bear, the Bible says. There's no... Nobody in this room has ever had more than you was able to handle. He gives it to you. It's in Corinthians. It tells you. He won't put anything on you that you're not able to bear. If you felt the pain, the weight of sin... It's your form of independence from God. But the thing is, what are you going to do with that? So God's judgment became true because he did warn Cain. The same way he warned Cain about the sin in his life, the wrong things he was doing in his life, he's going to do for you. Amen? Has anybody ever been warned by God? Have you ever done something and felt like, man, I shouldn't have done that? Something on the inside of you quickens you. The Bible says that he quickens your mortal body. The Spirit of God coming alive on the inside of you saying, don't do that. I've had it happen to me on multiple occasions. I hopefully that it happens weekly. We need it to happen daily. Amen? Where that God speaks to us and says, don't do that. It's not best for your future. Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. You don't have to figure it out. Is God fair? Absolutely. Look at your neighbor and say, my God is fair. How can I say that without any doubt or reservation? Because I know everywhere I study in Scripture, it's a 100% fact. Study your Bible. Find me one place anywhere in that Scripture that proves that God is not faithful in his judgment, that he's not right that he's not doing the right thing. Whether we like it or lump it, God is just. He's fair and he's true. Is there anybody in this room who's going to be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know, you didn't tell me, you didn't warn me? That's a big question. A lot of people says, what about the skeleton in God's closet? What's he going to do with people that's never heard about Jesus? Who's ever heard that one? What about the people in the tribes up in the in the far extended part of, uh, of Ecuador? What, what are you going to do with them people? They've never heard about them. Never been a preacher, never been a missionary, never been anybody go tell them. What are you going to do with them? Are they going to hell? What's your answer? How do you answer somebody like that? going to hell we think dusty yeah your personal opinion God going to send somebody to hell that never heard about him don't think so 
It's a skeleton in God's closet that everybody wonders about. What if you had a verse that backed you up? Wouldn't that be handy? Titus chapter 2, verse 11. You may know what it says. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. There's your answer. It says, For this grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All. How many? It didn't say this grace that brings salvation has appeared to some men or special little tribes over in Israel. It says it's appeared to all men. We need verses like that to assure us that God is fair. And just because of man <coughs> has never appeared, or just because a preacher has never went to those four corners of the earth and give an absolute account to those people about Jesus Christ, doesn't mean that the Spirit of God can't make his way there. Go back and study and see if there isn't. There, there's documentaries about how that people all over the earth, there's, there's Muslims today that will stand up and proclaim that something appeared to them in a dream and they woke up and Jesus was standing there and he preached a message about redemption to them. I don't believe there's anybody that's ever lived on this planet that God is going to create them to send them to hell. How can I justly say that? Because I believe my God is fair. I believe his judgments are true. I believe he's a righteous judge. And I don't believe he's going to create somebody to send them to hell. Peter says it's not God's will that any. Would perish. None of them. But all would repent. And come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a just God. He cares about you. He cares about your salvation probably more than you do. How can I say that? Because you give up in your life where that he sent his son to die for your life. He cares more about you than you do. You can declare your independence from him and say, God, I want no part. I want no part of this uh, kingdom that you're talking about. I want no part of living in your way of doing things, God, and I'm going to do it my way. And whenever you stand before him someday, and he separates the sheep from the goats. You're not going to stand there and say, God, I didn't know. He's going to say, I sent my son. I sent the Holy Spirit to go and speak into your hearts to tell you when you was right and wrong. I've done my side of the deal. And you chose independence over my kingdom. And that's what it's going to come down to. How many believes God is just? Amen. God is fair. He's made a way where there seemed to be no way. He's made a way of redemption. He's made a way that we can obtain this salvation that I'm talking about, that we're going to stand before him in righteousness someday. And we don't have to... It's not about him proving he's bigger and better and better than you. It's just the way it is. Won't you stand? I want us all to stand. I want everybody here just to bow your head and close your eyes.
going to ask you this very simple question. Everybody here, your head bowed, your eyes closed. I don't want anybody looking around. Don't worry about your neighbor. Worry about yourself. Is there anybody here that will say, Pastor Ben, Anybody here that would say, Pastor Ben, I want God to judge me now so that he won't have to judge me later. Does anybody here say, I want God to judge me now so I don't he won't have to judge me later? I want to accept his judgment in my life today, where that he will speak to me and clearly speak to me and say. I want you to be good. You can put your hands down. Father, I thank you for this day. Jesus, I thank you for all these people that are here. Lord, that listen to your message about your judgment, about your self-control. And Lord, how that you look at us Lord, that sin breeds inside of us and it, 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 it continues to grow throughout humanity. And Lord, the farther we get away from Adam and Eve, the worse the world gets. You said in your word, in Jesus, in, in Matthew 24, 25, you said that the world would wax worse and worse. And God, we see this happening around us every day, that the world is getting worse. But God, just because the world gets worse doesn't mean we have to. So, God, I pray today that all these people that raise their hand, Lord, that they're asking you to judge them in the condition they're in today. Lord, in the state that they're in today, that they feel like that they, they want to be closer to you today. And, God, by your judgment, you're not going to condemn them today. But, Lord, it's only conviction. And, Lord, you're going to make them and give them a way out just like you did for Cain. You're going to tell them, I need you to do better in this area in your life. And your spirit is going to speak to them, God. Lord, I'm grateful for what you're about to do in their life. Because when we seek righteousness, you said in your word that we would all be filled. Lord, when we seek you, that our lives will be straightened out. God, I pray for people in this room that's going through hell right now. Lord, they've got troubles on every side. Lord, it seems that they're perplexed. It seems like they're getting crushed from the outside in. And God, today is the day that they can have a freedom, God, to ignite on the inside of them, that they can seek a new way of living. God, because your judgment is true. God, your judgment is fair. Thank you for everything your son did on the cross so we can obtain this freedom. In Jesus' name. There's a lot of free people in this room, I really believe. If you raised your hand and really meant and prayed that God change my life, redirect my life, help me to be a better person, who you want me to be, 
I assure you, he wants you to be better. And he's going to work with you to make a way where you will become better. If you want your actions to change, quit trying to do it on your own. And start relying on him. You can't do anything without him. The only thing you can do is make your life a mess. If you want to turn it around, ask him for help today. This week, situations are going to arise. And there's going to be some perplexing times come your way. You're going to face some battles that you didn't know you'd face. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we stood in Carter Caves, and I preached a message about how it's better to die. The little five-year-old taught me that. Anybody that was there, you remember it. <laughs> Within just a few short hours, Dusty lost his aunt. Passed away. Forty-some years old. She didn't think when she woke up that morning that she was going to pass away. Not a one person in this room is guaranteed tomorrow. If you think you're too young to die, you're fooling yourself. How can I say that? Because I know. Whenever I laid in the bottom of that cistern and Aunt Mary drug me up out of that water that I'd been under for 15 minutes, I was dead. And I thought I was going to live to be 100. But at 17 years old, I died. If it wasn't for the grace of God and the mercy of God and a praying aunt, can God extend your life? I absolutely believe so. Hezekiah proved that. God added to his life. I'm telling you this today because I'm telling you it's true. God is fair. He's just. <laughs>